Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first ever Future Flicks Awards. This is the award show where I dole out praise or spit fire for the best and worst of 2016. It was a great year for movies, and the only reason I didn't do this podcast sooner is because I wanted to watch a few more of the better films from the year just in case they were worthy of the ever-so-coveted Movie of the Year Award. So let's start this podcast off with the negative, dabble somewhere in the middle for a bit, and then end on a high note. Just please listen on without fear, as I will not spoil anything about any of the movies I'm going to mention. The first category for the Future Flicks with Billiam Awards is Swing and a Miss. This category is reserved for those special movies that could have been great but fell short for one reason or another. So here are your nominees for the The Fart Was a Shart Award. Neon Demon, La La Land, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad. And the biggest miss of 2016 goes to... La La Land. I just saw this movie today and then came home and worked on the show notes for this. And I normally wait before I do anything even remotely review-ish. It's a word, trust me. Because I like to take my time and think. Especially if I loved or hated the movie, I want to think about it for a bit because something may change. That's what I did for Rogue One and it took Rogue One's score down from an 11 to a 10. The reason I'm not waiting for La La Land is because I know exactly why this movie fell short of being one of my best of 2016. It didn't even make the short list. I'm going to keep this award short because I want to try and do a review for La La Land and I don't want to blow my load here. Do I have to bleep that? Nah, f*** that. Let me just leave you with this. La La Land felt like the director and producers made two separate movies and then spliced them together, leaving some pivotal piece on the cutting room floor. This could have been the movie of the year if the last quarter of the film didn't feel so scattered. I won't give my La La Land score until the review. If I don't ever get around to it, I'll mention it in a future podcast. But let's get on to our next category, which is called... Why was this made? This is going to be a short one because I never saw any of the movies in question. Why then am I giving these movies a category, you may ask? Because the whole reason that I had to question its very existence greatly affected any desire to see it I may have had. So, the KFC Double Down Award nominees are as follows. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 The Huntsman Winter's War The Angry Birds Movie Nine Lives, and Trolls. And the most questionable movie is... My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. The kids' movies get a pass because kids will watch stupid as long as it's animated. And from what I hear, the Angry Birds and Trolls movies did have some good parts to them. The Huntsman 2 gets a pass because the first one was from three years ago and made enough money to to warrant a sequel or to warrant even thinking of one. And Nine Lives was about a cat, so there you go. That's the only reason you need to make a movie, right? 
But my Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, however, had absolutely no need to be made. They had a sleeper hit with the first movie and tried to turn it into a failed TV show. Well, they tried to turn it into a TV show that failed. They didn't try to make a failing TV show, though I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually their goal because it was crap. The first movie came out in 2002, so I would have expected a sequel to come out uh, between 2004 and 2006, not 14 years later. It was a bad idea and should never have been greenlit. According to Box Office Mojo, the movie didn't do that bad. Almost $60 million in total domestic gross on an $18 million budget. But that doesn't excuse the fact that it should never have been made in the first place. Even if it was good, it was still a bad idea. But the domestic gross aside, critics and regular moviegoers agree on this, that it was a bad movie. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 should never have been made, unless they found a time machine and went back to 2004 to make it. Only then would it have been warranted because it was still fresh in people's minds at that point. I have one more category before we get to worst movie of the year. So this next category is called the biggest disappointment. These nominees deserve a special category because they actually got my hopes up and then dashed them against the rocks like a ship dragging bottom. These movies either had good looking trailers or were based off good source material. So here are your nominees for the Drunken Birthday Clown Award. X-Men Apocalypse, Independence Day Resurgence, Cell, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, and La La Land. And the loser is... Independence Day Resurgence. God, I, I, I was so excited for this one. I, it got most everyone back from the original film. It was directed and written by the same people, even though the director, uh, Roland Emmerich, is woefully unreliable. And it was written by Dean Devlin, as well as apparently three other people. Why, why did three people need to make this? I, I still really want to know this. Why do some movies, why do some movies need that many writers? This movie had a great cast. Jeff Goldblum, Liam Hemsworth, Bill Pullman, Celia Ward, William Fitchner, Judd Hirsch, Brent Spiner. The trailers looked good, but everything came together in just the wrong way. The story was crap. The actors didn't do enough because they didn't get enough to work with. They couldn't even give a good performance if they wanted to because their characters were all so shallow. This movie did so poorly that Emmerich and Devlin have supposedly scrapped the third movie as well as their Stargate reboot. You may have heard me talk about this in a previous podcast, but I'm not sure about that anymore because I looked and Independence Day 3 and the Stargate reboot are still on the release schedule. They have not been pulled yet, even though in an interview, and, if I, and I forgot if it was with Variety or not, but Dean Devlin said that they were going to scrap their future plans for Independence Day and Stargate. So he says one thing. The release schedule says another thing. We'll see what the final score is. The reason why Independence Day 2 gets a pass from the waited too long for a sequel thing that I docked Big Fat Greek Wedding for is because this one people were actually excited for. Every time rumors of a sequel came up, it made news, at least in entertainment websites. I never once saw an excited speculation article about a Greek wedding sequel. Not, not once. 
So let's wrap this category up. The problem with Independence Day Resurgence is that it lacked the soul and the story of the first one. It had some good parts, but it came out with a lackluster finish. It's like they were putting polish on it and they forgot to buff it out so it lost its shine. Independence Day Resurgence got a score of 6 out of 11. I'm going a little fast on these, aren't I? I like to try and go fast because I like to try and keep my podcasts short. Because if you're anything like me, you have, a, you have a lot of other stuff to do. I'm just one of three podcasts in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And then there's also the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, which I love. And that's not even counting work for the podcast that I do and my own job. But time is at a premium, and I like to try and keep that in mind. That's why I like to try and rein my rants in from time to time. So I could still get my feelings across but it gets you on to your next thing that much quicker. So here we go with the final category in all the negative ones I'm going to do, and that's worst movie. This is a self-explanatory category. It's simply the worst movie of the year. So here are your nominees for the Michael Bay Award. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, Independence Day Resurgence, and Cell. And the loser, the true loser of 2016... is Cell. Oh, I got you on that one, didn't I? I got you. We here at Somewhat Nerdy hate Michael Bay, and it's not an unfair hatred. We've tried. Collectively, as a site, we have watched his movies and then just pash harsh judgment on them because they are garbage. He has only made two movies that almost all of us can agree on that are good, basically, and those are The Rock and Bad Boys. But everything else he touches turns to garbage. He's like the King Midas of Detritus. Oh, damn, that was really good. Oh, that that just came to me. I was just going to say the King Midas of garbage, but then the word detritus just came to my mind. Take that four years of improv training. Boom. What's up? <laughs> um, all right. Why didn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadow get this, get this worst movie award? Uh, because I liked a couple scenes. That's right. There were some parts I enjoyed. And those are the parts with Bebop and Rocksteady. They killed it. They picked the right actors. They designed the characters well. And they wrote the script well for them. The rest of the movie may have been garbage. It really was. But those two, anything involving them was good. Cell, on the other hand, had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Cell came out on June 10th, and I skipped it in theaters because I was reading the book at the time. Months later, long after I had finished the book, I saw the movie. And let me just say the book was fun. It wasn't great, but it had a good story with great characters, with truly wonderful characters who I grew really attached to. It had a story that kept you guessing, and a story that was way more than just rage monster-style zombies. The movie had everything going for it. It was based off a good book. It had its script worked on by Stephen King himself, and as well as Adam Aleka, who worked on 2009's Last House on the Left. It starred John Cusack from High Fidelity, Samuel L. Jackson from those Capital One commercials, and Isabel Furman from Orphan. Three reliable actors, but somewhere along the way, they went wrong. And it was the script. It was a script in particular, and I will tell you how I know that. Cusack, Jackson, Furman were soulless and uninteresting, but that's because they had nothing to work with. Not even a hint, an, a small iota of what made the characters great was evident in the movie. Everything came together in just the wrong way to turn a very interesting and enjoyable and well-written book into a terrible movie. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had Bebop and Rocksteady to give me a few scenes that made me smile. There was nothing about Cell that I enjoyed. Again, this is spoiler free, so don't, don't worry about what I'm about to say. But the ending for the book was fantastic. Apparently, King said some people complained about that, so he fixed the ending in the movie. But I don't know what they're complaining about. The ending for the book was fantastic. The ending to the movie, however, was terrible. And it felt like Stephen King ran out of time and just threw something together in a couple minutes. Cell gets a 1 out of 11. It is truly one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Okay, I bet you there were actually worse movies made somewhere. Somewhere in the plethora, in the huge expanse of 2016 movie releases, somewhere in there was a worse movie, I bet you. But I have to base all of these award winners, or losers, off movies I've actually seen. And it's hard to see too many when I have to limit myself to one maybe two movies a week. But let's get out of the negative folks and let's slide into that middle ground before we hit the positive categories. The next category is one that had only one nominee. So let's jump right into it. That category is most what the f So the winner of the Human Centipede Award, Neon Demon. This movie had the f hyped out of it. Nicholas Winding Refn is a D-bag writer and director who is as unreliable as Mr. Magoo in A Crow's Nest of the Titanic. Don't know who Mr. Magoo is? Google it. But Refn, and I think that's how you say it because I really don't care enough about this man to Google the pronunciation of R-E-F-N, but Refn will do some good movies like Drive or Bronson and then do Neon Demon. The movie started out great with fantastic performances from everyone involved. Ellie Fanning was amazing, and this shows that she's going to outperform her sister. Dakota Fanning is great, but I think her little sister is just going to surpass her as far as fantastic performances go. The film was well acted, beautifully shot, and designed, and what was lacking in it, just like Independence Day, was the story. It was so lacking, in fact, that the turn came suddenly and it ended faster than a fire sale in Pompeii. The ending felt sudden and forced. It felt like there was a complete movie made somewhere along the lines, but writer and director Nickelback Wing Ding Refuse decided to pull the last quarter of the film out and throw it in the trash and just tack an ending on. This could have been another Movie of the Year nominee. It was so close. Great mood. Great setting, great music, great acting, great visuals in every aspect, but it lost because of a lackluster story. But you may be asking yourself, but Billiam, what the what does that have to do with what the f***? Let me get to that right now. You know what I said about the last quarter being taken out and an ending just throwing on? That ending came out of nowhere. It was so ridiculous. It's almost like he was trying his best to be an artsy a**hole when he made this. The climax made sense. That part made sense, but the fact that it came so suddenly and didn't feel like there was much build-up to it took me out of the movie. But the ending, how it actually ended, the final scene of the film was batch crazy. I'm glad I didn't see this in theaters. I'm really glad because when the credits started to roll, I said out loud to no one else because I saw this in the comfort of my own home, I said, what the f***? 
because I didn't get it. If the entire movie, if the whole thing had been some art piece, then I may have got it. I may have at least been a little more understanding of the fact that it was weird. Going, okay, this guy was trying to make some sort of statement. He was trying to make art. Like an expressionist and a Dadaist had a baby. Are these art jokes doing anything for you? No? Alright. That's where the what the fuck comes into play. Everything was great until the end. When shit hit the fan. Neon Demon gets a 6 out of 11. The next category is most meh. Why this category? Because meh. The nominees for this category are all movies I was excited for and the final product was lacking. They left me whelmed. They weren't terrible, but they left me wanting. So here are your nominees for the Banana Split, but all three scoops of ice cream are vanilla award. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Hail Caesar, Ratchet and Clank, Finding Dory, and Suicide Squad. And the most meh movie of 2016 is... Ratchet and Clank. I know, you probably didn't even know this movie was a thing, but I knew. So if you followed my Future Flicks blogs, that's before I had a podcast, but if you followed the blogs, you'll know that I was excited for this. And then you'll also know what my final score was. Some of you may be wondering why Finding Dory made the list of meh, because it was one of the biggest movies of the year. In fact, I think it was the biggest movie of the year, and that's because it was mediocre. It's the hype train that really got that many people seeing it. It's a Pixar film, so it had that going for it. It was an animated film, so it had that going for it. But all in all, it was just a lackluster movie. But what was more lackluster, even more meh, was Ratchet & Clank. The video games were some of my favorite growing up. I loved the PS2 platformers, and when I was older, the PS3 trilogy was fantastic. Maybe I got my hopes up too high. Just maybe. But even if I went into it with realistic expectations, it was still just okay. Sometimes when TV shows get turned into movies, people complain that the movie ends up being just a long episode. That's what I wanted for Ratchet & Clank. The games were funny, had a good story, and you could play them. So for the movie, I was hoping that it would be all that minus the playing. So instead of spending hours and hours beating a game, I could just spend a couple hours watching a movie and get the same enjoyment out of it. The final product turned out to be something that should have gone along with a game. They should have released a special edition of the last game they did and put this movie with it and only releasing film in theaters selectively just in case someone really wanted to see it on the big screen, just like Square Enix did with Kingsglaive Final Fantasy XV. Nothing else they could have done would have made more people see this movie because it was such a niche audience already. But they could have at least made a better product. Hell, half of no one is going to see most indie movies that only go to festivals, but you know what? They still do the best they can. Ratchet & Clank is the winner of the Most Meh Award and got a score of 5 out of 11. Truly meh. Alright friends, let's take a break before we go into the positive. So... Please stay around to, well, of course, finish the podcast, but also to hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. 
download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And welcome back. Welcome back to the 2016 Future Flicks with Billiam Awards. So it's time for the good, my dear listeners. We've done the bad. We've done the meh. Now on to the good. So here we go. The next category is Funniest Movie. So your nominees for the Blazing Saddle Campfire Scene Award are The Nice Guys, Keanu, Central Intelligence, and Office Christmas Party. And the film that made my sides ache the most is... Keanu. Don't get me wrong. All four of those movies were great comedies, but Keanu is the one I'm still quoting to this day. Hell, The Nice Guys was a better movie as a whole, but Keanu was a better comedy. It had everything a movie needs. It had Key and Peele and a cat. That's it. That's all you need to make a movie. Someone call Michael Bay and give him this information. He needs to know. You know how I kind of just mentioned that some people don't like it when a TV show gets turned into a movie and the movie's like a long episode? Well, that's exactly what Keanu needed. And that's exactly what Keanu was. This was just a long Key and Peele skit. It had a good story, good characters, it was well-written, well-acted, funny, and best of all, it stayed away from stereotypes. Tyler Perry could take note that you can have a primarily black cast without relying on tired tropes. They did all that and still had racially-based jokes, like Key being made fun of by Peel because he listens to George Michael instead of a rap or hip-hop. You can create a movie that speaks to a specific group, be it a racial group, gender group, or cultural group, or what have you, and still not be a gross stereotype. So Keanu did that really well, and I was really happy with that final product. It hit all the right notes and made a funny movie with a story that I cared about beyond the laughter. Best of all, the ending was realistic. I'm not going to spoil it. Like I've said, like I've said a couple times now, I'm not going to spoil anything in this podcast, but the ending was really realistic. Just a week or two ago, someone on the front page of Reddit, or made it to the front page of Reddit, about the movie Keanu and how the ending was realistic. If you haven't seen this movie yet, do so. It was funny, but best of all, it was a good all-around film. It wasn't great, but it was enjoyable from start to finish. Keanu got a score of 8 out of 11. The next category is Biggest Surprise And here are your nominees for the Hole in the Bottom of the Popcorn Bucket Award. Gods of Egypt, Money Monster, and Ghostbusters. And the winner is... Ghostbusters. I know, I know, I know, but hear me out. I'm the only nerd on Somewhat Nerdy who liked Ghostbusters. Though it was nothing compared to the originals, but it was still a fun movie. I viewed Ghostbusters as a modern comedy that drew inspiration, you can't see it but I'm doing air quotes, drew inspiration from the original film. Did it get silly near the end? Sure. Was some of it stupid? Of course, but I enjoyed it. This was a different movie made by a different director who had a different vision. Ivan Reitman did the OG Ghostbusters, and Paul Feig lover of Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig did the new one and he has a totally different style. I think that was probably one of the biggest factors as to why the somewhat nerdy radio guys didn't enjoy it. I think their hate would have been quieted just a little if Feig's style was closer to Reitman's. 
but he made his own movie that's similar to in style to all the other movies he's made and strayed from Ivan Reitman's style. Look, guys, Danger, Critter, Snarf Chris, I'm not saying you would have liked it. I'm not saying you would have liked the movie, but I'm saying your hate would have been toned down just a little more. Feig's Ghostbusters had some great characters and the right actors to portray them. Sure, it had a silly plot. Sure, the comedy was more in-your-face and purposeful, while the original was more subtle and deadpan. But had the Ghostbusters part been taken away, had the same movie have been made but with a different supernatural spin to it, I think more nerds would have liked it. The idea that it was Ghostbusters, one of nerddom's most beloved franchises, was too much for some to handle. If you haven't seen this movie yet and you think you can be okay with the Ghostbusters name being slapped onto a different style movie, then you should walk away happy. I was impressed by how enjoyable this was. Do I need a sequel to this? No. I don't think they could pull it off. I really don't think they can do a second one. Am I glad that they made this one? Yes. Ghostbusters showed me that I'm not as stubborn of a nerd as I thought I was. Ghostbusters got a score of 7 out of 11. Our next category is the best movie you can take your kids to. So here are the nominees for the Barney's Ain't Got Shit On Me award. Zootopia, Moana, The Jungle Book, and Kubo and the Two Strings. And the winner is... Moana. Alright, th this one was tough because Zootopia and The Jungle Book hold a special place in my heart. And Kubo and the Two Strings was really good too, but it was far too predictable and it had some pacing issues. But Moana just squeaked by past Zootopia and The Jungle Book because it was a great movie through and through. I didn't write a review for it because I saw it far too late. And the only reason I'm making an exception for La La Land is because it's a huge Golden Globe and Oscar contender. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother and I would just briefly mention something in a podcast. I also want to say that if that if the anime Your Name, also called Kimi no Wa, had an American release date this year, it probably would have won because it looks really good. And word on the street from people who've seen it, found some way to see it, say it says it's amazing. But let's talk about Moana. It found that old Disney magic that they've lost for so long. Pixar saved Disney. They went from a slowly failing movie movie company to the biggest movie company of the year and who made roughly six billion uh, in movies alone. True, Marvel and Star Wars may have played a big role in that, but Moana showed that Disney found their long-lost game when it comes to non-Pixar animated movies. Moana reminded me of the Disney of my youth with updated graphics. It was fun, it had some great songs, it had a story that wasn't entirely predictable, which is saying a lot for a solo Disney film, and some people loved it because they said it finally gave us a princess of color. You know, ignoring Jasmine, Mulan, Tiana, and Pocahontas, but whatever. But Momana had something for everyone to enjoy, and that's why it won. Zootopia, Kubo, The Jungle Book were all great movies, but Moana just took it one step further. I still have How Far I'll Go stuck in my head, and I actually think I'm going to take a quick break to listen to it, because that, that is a great song. Moana gets a 10 out of 11, and my pick for the Barney Ain't Got Shit On Me Award. Well, this is it, folks. Movie of the Year. The last category in this, the first ever Future Flicks Awards. I just want to note a few movies that didn't make any of the lists, but were still worth a watch. Movies that I also didn't get to review. 
The Accountant, first off, was great. A fantastic espionage action film. And it's everything I wanted out of one of those kind of movies. The Witch was a great horror and I use horror with sarcastic air quotes. It was just a really good movie that everyone should check out, but just don't expect a classic horror, even though they try to sell it as a horror. How many times can I say horror in one podcast? We'll, we'll, we'll find out. And finally, The Conjuring 2, speaking of horror, was just as good as the first, if not slightly worse. Uh, so those were the only movies that really stood out to me that I didn't get to review in either podcast form or through the somewhat nerdy website. So without further ado, here are the greatest movies of the year. This award doesn't have some funny name. It's simply called the Future Flicks Pick of the Year. The nominees are Deadpool, The Revenant. Captain America Civil War, Hacksaw Ridge, Moana, and Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. And the best movie of 2016, the future flicks pick of the year, is Hacksaw Ridge. Rogue One was so close, so close. It was a great movie. I, I've said great a lot in this podcast, and I do think a lot of movies are great, but this one was truly fantastic, but it lacked in one department. It lacked in the music department, and that that's a big part of Star Wars. But Hacksaw Ridge was a great movie through and through. It was thoughtful, touching, well-written, well-acted, well-shot, visually pleasing, and brutally honest. It was a movie that I need in my collection more than any other movie. If I had to pick to only get Rogue One or Hacksaw Ridge in my collection, I would have to pick Hacksaw Ridge because not having that in my collection would be the greater crime. It's one of those few lucky movies that's earned a full score from me. Andrew Garfield is the next big actor. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge last year. Silence coming out next week this year. Well, if it's next week, of course it's this year. Never mind that. <laughs> and he's going to win an Oscar. He has to. The question is just what amazing performance will it be for? The great thing about Hacksaw Ridge was it's a movie that we know what happens. We know that Desmond Doss saves 77 lives or 75, 70-something 70 lives in one night and up in, Hex, up in Hacksaw Ridge. And my God, that's not a spoiler. That's been known for a long time. So I don't want to hear about spoilers, all right? So it's a story that a lot of people knew going into it, but it was still, it was still new. They found a way to make it not predictable. True, we all knew what was going to happen, but we didn't know how it was going to happen. And the best part of the film was watching Andrew Garfield portray Desmond Doss and watch him go through this, go through everything he did, go through hell and boot camp, being just like beat up on by his fellow soldiers, everyone questioning his his motives. Why would this guy want to go into war, go into battle unarmed? He must be mentally ill, right? He must talk to God. Like, honestly, think God's walking right next to him and talking to him. But no, he fought through all of that. He fought for his beliefs and his need to serve. And that's what really really came through in this movie. That's what Andrew Garfield showed me. What was also impressive is that they had to find actors who would keep up with Andrew Garfield's performance. And they did. They got Teresa Palmer. They got Hugo Weaving. And oddly enough, they got Vince Vaughn, who did a great job. They also got Sam Worthington. Vince Vaughn and Sam Worthington are 
fantastic actors that really don't get enough credit just because Vaughn tends to lean more towards comedies and Sam Worthington did a lot of those really big action movies he did the uh, Titans movies and um, he did Avatar but all those actors did more than keep up with him they were just as good Hacksaw Ridge shows that even crazy people can make good movies Mel Gibson did a great job does it matter what you think of him as a person when it comes to this movie you could think he is human garbage and this movie is still worth it this movie should still be seen hacksaw ridge was a story we needed to hear that we needed to see that we needed to experience it was equal parts uplifting and devastating it was light and it was dark it was brutal it was one of the best movies i've seen in a long time hacksaw ridge got an 11 out of 11 the minute that movie comes out to own, you buy it. You buy it for your collection because it deserves to be on everyone's shelf. Well, my friends and my dear, dear listeners, that is it. That is the first ever Future Flicks Awards. So there you go. What did you think? As I do more and more podcasts, I believe they get better and better because I get more comfortable with it and I'm, I get new equipment and I find new ways of doing things. But this one was hard because was, this was the first time I've done an awards show. And unfortunately, it won't be until next year that I do another one. So I hope you enjoyed this. And by the way, if I sound a little different, it's because a bunch of my new equipment came in. I have a brand new pop filter. filter. I have a shock mount for my boom. And that part came from my boom that I was talking about in a previous podcast. And um, so it all, it looks really fancy. And at least in my headphones right now, it sounds good. It's sounding pretty good, right? Well, my friends, that is it. Please stay tuned. My weekly podcast should be dropping on Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I do really, really want to ask for your patience these next coming months because I'm uh, going through something a little personal right now. I, I have hepatitis C and I'm going through treatment for it. And it's really taking a toll on me. Just constant lethargy, foggy-headedness, headaches. And while I'm going to make it through, of course, it's not that bad, but it's just constant and tiring. So if I, if some of my dates pass where I don't get some out on time, maybe I don't get a podcast out uh, one of the weeks in these coming months, just please bear with me. It should be over mid-March, and then I'll be the best I've been in a long time. So here's to a near, new year with that. So let's wrap this up. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and any podcast listening app, and the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's www.somewhatnerdy.com. Need to reach me? Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, on the Facebook page, on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm Billiam, S-W-N. That's B-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-W-N. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? I'm trying to post things other than my cat, so you make him want to add me there. Billiam underscore SWN. Do you drink beer? Add me on Untapped. Billiam SWN there as well. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And don't forget to check the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, everyone's favorite swearity. And even if there were more swearities, this one would still be my favorite. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends and dear, dear listeners, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.